in by Kulisevsky. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Welcome back, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who thought the first half against Wolves was pretty good, actually. Huh. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. That's me. <laughs> I, well, I need to get on to asking you why you thought that was so, so good, but um, be- before we do that, simply, Bardi, Alex C says, is the system dead? Well, I, I don't know when when Nathan Nathan and I were in charge of this podcast, we beat Chelsea. Then um, your reign of terror <laughs> comes back, and we lose to Wolves. We lose to and Forest. Sheffield United. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, not Forest, Sheffield United. Yeah, um, Nathan and I had it all under control, mm. and then you mm. come back, and then you you mess it all. It's up. same. That you, this, you did uh, have it all under control. Yeah, that 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 Conte wasn't back for the for the Sheffield Wolves game, so we can't get the analogy going of of me and Vardy being Stellini and. and and Mason. Mm, mm. Yeah, which one's which? I mean, the obvious thing is to go Bardi Stellini because he's Italian, yeah. but I'm not sure that's the case. <laughs> I think he's definitely more Ryan Mason. <laughs> I do um, I do have a point on this, but I don't know whether it's now's the time just to get straight into it or we do it. Wait for no, get stuck in. I just, I've got a funny feeling, right? So under Stellini, we've been okay. We've won some games and we've, we've continued to progress and we've got some points and it's been good. But then we've arrived at a certain point now where like Conte has to come. You have to come back. Either you're, you're dying and that's it. You've, we, we, we terminate your contract because you can no longer do your job or you fuck off. You can't be this, this kind of phantom that's there taking the praise and there not taking the blame or taking the blame, whatever. He either comes back now and sorts this out because we're approaching a proper fucking crisis or he fucks off. This can't continue to happen. We can't continue to progress through these games with him on a fucking WhatsApp group. <laughs> Ryan Mason and Stellini going through the motions because I, I do think there are situations in game where Antonio Conte, who's a £15 million manager, could alter the alter the game by just by simply being there and being able to instruct things and make things happen so we've arrived we've arrived now where that's it if you come back and you fix it or you're finished that's it i'm not saying it out or fire him but something has to give him either i've got i've got a horrible feeling that something really bad is going on but um yeah what, what do you mean by that I don't know, man. What if he's really fucking sick? You think he's really unwell? I think he's. I think he genuinely could be really unwell because this is this has gone on a long time now. Well, he's due back for the Milan game. Um, oh, good. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like he um, has been off for the now the appropriate amount of time mm. that someone would need to have after after having their gallbladder removed. Whereas before, he tried to clearly rush back, and that was terrible for him. Yeah. Um, I think, in answer to your question, he needs to fuck off. <laughs> I do think he needs to go. Like, I don't think, I don't think these performance levels are acceptable in any way. I think the fact that we're fourth is testament to the teams around us doing terribly, and not us being the fourth best team in the country. Um, at the moment, I would say it, we look way more on course to finishing seventh or eighth than we do fourth. Like the trajectory of our season. Um, and the teams behind us starting to pick up and, you know, Liverpool drastically improved. 
Chelsea, I suspect, will probably end up finishing above us at this rate. Um, Brentford and Brighton look a threat to us, a real threat to us. Newcastle, obviously, as well. We we are not a team that's going to finish fourth if we carry on with this trajectory. It's it's really, really, really not good. And to be honest, I find it unfathomable that Daniel Levy hasn't done something about it. And I do wonder whether it's like a sympathy thing. I wonder if he like feels he can't fire Conte right now because the poor guy has been through so much this year. Like... He has had personal trauma after personal trauma, followed by severe illness. And and maybe Levy's doing the kind of humane thing of, of sticking by him while he gets through that. When actually, were it not for that, he'd have been gone. Huh. Well, OK, first of all, I want to offer uh, solidarity with anyone on long-term sick leave and shut down Vardy's extremely uh, anti-sick leave <laughs> uh, position. Um, in terms of Conte specifically, in terms of like like him coming back and fixing things, it's like things have been marginally better. It doesn't feel like it, right? Things have been marginally better. Uh, they were at first and we had a half against Wolves. So like uh, he, he's been here. Did we? Well, we'll come back okay. to that. He's been here for uh, a run of form this bad and been here to try to fix it and not fixed it. And he's clearly heavily involved in, in our in-game management. You know, Simeon's yeah. been pretty upfront about that. So um, I don't think we're... Def- How, how's he watching, by the way? Because the uh, the Premier League doesn't stream games. So <laughs> I, I guess he's in Italy, so they probably get every game. Yeah, they get every game. In, uh, Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe he get, gets the club feed as well and he's got tactical cam, eh? So yeah, I uh, I don't know as he. I'm not like excited to have him back. I guess is what I'm getting to. I don't think it's going to do much for us. I think that the season we're just like he doesn't seem particularly keen to stick around. What the reporting suggests, we're not particularly in desperate to keep hold of him. So we're just sort of walking the season out. Um, it's a it's a zombie season, uh, mm. and I I find myself not caring that much game to game now, even though. Top yep. four is obviously tight. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not in desperate need to rush a, what is he, 53-year-old man uh, back early from his surgery and hopefully he'll turn things around because I just don't think he will. Obviously, I would like to also <laughs> offer Sorry, my sympathies buddy. to Antonio's and his family that he's obviously <laughs> sick. But I'm just saying, if he's on permanent sick leave, then we need to know that he's on permanent sick leave. That's it. There has to be, there has to be a... A replacement lined up. There has to be some kind of failsafe, not Stellini and Ryan Mason. I, I honestly do think he can he can fix it. Is he able to? I don't know. I'm not sure. They, but there it, are a few is, things. Is the fix going to be playing Lucas Moore or more? Well, I, I don't. We're, we're getting to that, but I, I don't know. That, that's just a madness. I'm not. I'm not sure on that. But there's there's a few things here. So I've been quite vocal for Anto- for Antonio Conte for some, from the start, and I remain. I remain confident that Antonio Conte is a good manager. Whatever happens at Spurs, say he goes to Newcastle and they give him £200 million, £300 million, he wins the Premier League. And I'm fully confident that that's what would happen. I don't think he's a dinosaur. I don't think his tactics are outdated. I mean, he won the he won Serie A, which is a really tactical league, a couple of seasons ago. And he's continued to win competitions and he's done decent thing at Spurs. So I don't think he's outdated. I don't think he's a dinosaur. He'll come back and he'll he'll fuck all over us because that's that's what he does. That's what he does to teams. So I do think, but I think in all of this, I'm tr- I've been walking the dog today thinking about where, where am I going to stand on this? Am I going to 
come down off a hill and just, just say Conte out. No, I'm not going to do that. But I do think Tottenham Hotspur need to have a long, hard look at themselves and figure out what they're doing, what their plans are. And then before they make their next appointment, have a real think about it. And just don't be idiots. Think about what suits the team. Think about what suits the players. Think about which players you're going to buy because our Discord is going, oh, just buy a goalkeeper, buy a centre-back, buy a number 10. If we'd just done that for Conte, we would have won the league. So uh, that's not going to happen. But we have to really be a smart club now. I think... <sighs> Has Daniel Levy got another appointment in him? I don't know, probably, because who's going to fire him? But the, the club just needs to be smarter right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, with everything you say about Conte. I haven't lost faith in, in his capability as a, as a manager, and I completely recognise everything he achieved in, in Serie A. In fact, um, something else you said that I agree with, and this isn't to, to try to dig you out. I've already done that once mm-hmm. this episode, right? I remember when we appointed Conte, um, you said, um, we don't need a project manager. Um, mm. We don't need someone who's going to come in and take five years to do what Conte will do in two. I remember that quote specifically because it really it really won me round. I really bought yeah. in at that point. Um, but I think that, that we were wrong. I think that, that we've needed something long-term and steadier and someone's going to bring two younger technical players and build us up and, and recognise the state that we're in um, and develop our squad, develop younger players over time and, and sort of gradually build towards something. And uh, I think that we've misstepped in not recognising that. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. That sounds really nice in principle. And I think Conte isn't a project manager. Um, but um, we, maybe we didn't need that. But I do think we needed to have given Conte key players. I don't like would the uh, skips come. Skip came through under Conte. He had a great start under Conte, and then he got injured, and he's come back strong under Conte. Jed Spence, I agree, was probably mishandled, and that w- that wasn't handled nicely. But we we've, we've still got Emerson and and Porro now in those other positions. I think he gave loads of opportunities to Sessignon. Sars come through. And elsewhere, I don't know. Brian Hill, maybe Brian he Brian Hill could have got more minutes. But other than that, which other youth players should should he have played, or could we? Have played? Well, I'm saying the players that we've we've bought, we should have aimed younger. So, for, for example, we yeah. under under um, obviously Peratici is um, director of football, but under Conte's uh, guidelines, we brought in Perisic and Forster and Bissouma and Richarlison. Um, obviously, those aren't all old players, but those are peak or post-peak players. Obviously, Perisic has aged a decade this season, um, as has Hoybjerg. Um, yeah, yeah Poro is a younger player. Um, obviously, brought in Kulusevski, brought in um, Bentoncourt, brought in Longley on a loan, brought in Danjima on a loan. So, like, that's the extent to which we have backed Conte. And I can poke holes in that I can say we should have done this better or we could have gone for this player or if there was more to spend we could have gone here um, but I don't think it, it, I don't think we failed to give him what he's asked for mm. and I think that he's he's failed to deliver with what he had like consider where we were last season the amount of money we've invested the um, what at least from to the outside seems like the the um, control over exactly where we spent that money the input over where we spent that money he's got the type of players he wants he's got the level of players um, that is sort of the compromise between the very best in the world and and the top end of our budget um, and and we've regressed dramatically this season yeah th- I agree that he should have done better I, and I'm, I, it's got to sound like I'm defending him but I do think we haven't had the Romero, Bentancur, Kulusevski, Kane. 
Sure. But I don't think those, we haven't had that. We've lost the spine of that team. And the, our issues with the club, our issues with the team, have been those moments where we've deviated from the kind of regulars, like Sheffield United, playing Sanchez, playing Lucas. But then, of course, they're his decisions. They were his decisions to make. But yeah. I think yeah. we keep losing Romero through injuries. So I think resting him was probably a wise move. I, I don't agree with that last point. I think it hasn't just been that there's like the odd blip game where we rest players and suddenly it comes unstuck. I think largely this whole season has been bad. There's been a couple of good games within it, but largely the trajectory has been downwards. Also, I, I completely agree with you, Bardi, that Conte is not a dinosaur. Like His ideas aren't outdated. He's got some really good ideas and that last season showed that completely. But I do think he has some dinosaur tendencies, like his lack of rotation which are just incompatible with the season we've had and also probably incompatible with our club like you know his refusal to play young players until he really has to is in complete antithesis to what Daniel Levy wants from a a Spurs coach and you know obviously that comes down to club strategy and you know Levy Levy and Paratici are the ones at fault there rather than Conte they got him they knew what to expect but Conte hasn't helped himself you know it's it's not a good look for him when Saar and Skip and Hill come into the team and look really capable and look really able to add something to the squad when he's basically excluded them for the whole time and just played the same players over and over and over. You know, Emerson Royale when he was really struggling. Hoybier doesn't look the same player when he's forced to play every game. You know, when he has a break, he comes back and looks really good. Then he plays every game and looks really rusty and tired and, and unfit like he was at the end of the Wolves game. Um, I, I think these are things that Conte can do better. And I really feel like, especially with what Nathan said, the investment he's had, the the specific investment he had on Conte-type players, even despite that, I think he's massively underperformed where he should. And people will say, look, we're still in the Champions League. We're still in fourth place in the league. You can keep saying that while it's true now. It's not going to be the case in two weeks, in three weeks, in four weeks. That I tell you now, that is not going to be the case. We're going to be out of the Champions League and we're going to be way down the league. And it's Paratici and Levy's job to see that coming and do something about it. And unfortunately, in the way the football works now, doing something about it means getting rid of the manager. If, if this was someone who's kind of building um, patterns of play from the ground up and was establishing a particular style over a long period of time, you'd accept some rough results like we did with Pochettino at the start because you can see it's a foundation for building something. And and maybe Chelsea are going through that O'Grey and Potter and they need to be patient. But with a manager like Conte who has a plug-and-play system, it, in theory it should be at its absolute optimal by this point. You can't wait, I don't think. Or it's it's it peaked in the first season, as, as it as yeah, often yeah, has yeah, with Conte. Yeah. And uh, there's rarely a point going and into it, the second and season it, with them. And, and don't get me wrong, it really did peak. We looked so good at the end of last season. I was really happy exactly. with how we were going into last season. And I was really happy with the style of football as well. And, like I, I thought we played well. And he and he created that from a really bad place. He there's, did. There's no he did. denying his achievement last season. That that is absolutely worthy of, of of nearly the maximum level of praise. I can't take last season away from him. It's just where we are now. Um, so why do you fire him if he's just had six months? Like what I mean, I 
I, I, I know we've not gone anywhere near the Wolves game if we're just talking around <laughs> it, but I, I, I do agree with you. Now, I, I'm just having this because it's, I find it an interesting conversation. Sure. Hopefully mm. other people do. But um, I think if he's shown when the team is fit and they're all, they're all on form, it works. Now, all of a sudden, we've come into this season. Kulusevski, what's Conte done? That could such a drop off in Kulusevski. There's been such a drop off in Sun. There's been such a drop off in Hjoiberg, maybe the fitness thing, Dyer, the rest of them. There's been a huge drop off on these individuals. And mm. it, we've, we're unable to rotate them out. He has to keep playing them. Otherwise, it would have been throwing in a 19 year old Sar into like every Premier League game. And I agree with you, he's been forced to do that. He's been forced to play youth because he has no other option now. But what could he have done? Like, how, how do you mitigate that? Just losing two of your three starting forwards, just dropping off. The forwards just dropping off or the forwards dropping off because of tactical changes and because of loss of confidence and because of overwork. Um, you know, I don't think players... Maybe they do, but I struggle to go along with the idea that players just drop off because... I, I think there has to be a reason for the drop-off, and it's probably normally confidence, but that that will be caused by something else. So Son, for example, I said on Twitter the other day, I think Son is one of the absolute best players in the world at running on to the ball and finishing. And we've seen him do that less and less this season and more and more dropping deep to receive the ball with his back to goal. And I think he is like an, a mid-Premier League player in that role, like of coming deep and receiving the ball with back. Maybe a lower Premier League yeah, player. So. He's just not good at that. He's, it's not his skill set. And I don't think he's ever been good at that. And I don't think he's showing any signs of improving despite being asked to do it more and more. Um, so this season, the tweak has been that Kane has played higher up the pitch and he's scored more goals as a result. Son has played deeper and has been pretty awful. And I think his confidence could have been affected by the fact that he's being asked to play a role that he's not comfortable with. He's making mistakes, which is going to make him feel bad. And then when it comes to finishing, like he hasn't got that same on top of the world streak about him. Maybe. Like, that's just one player. But I, I agree that Kulusevski's been worse. Like, you go through a team, pretty much every player's been worse um, than last year. And I don't think that is a... I don't think you can pin that on the players just being worse. I think like there's there's a bigger picture thing here going on. And I'm not saying either that a new manager comes in and instantly fixes it. I think like ultimately that will happen. I think there will be a fix if we appoint the right man, but it will take some time to build the confidence back up and, and build some new principles. And that's where I think Conte should go now, because I think we've got 12 games left in this season, plus Champions League, uh, um, if we remain in. Um, and, you know, if it's going to be Pochettino, for example, get him in now, get him used to like acclimatise, get him assessing the squad that we've got, um, get him having a look at them and, try and rejuvenate some of them in the back end of the season because in my view we're just petering out right it's the zombie season as Nathan said we're just petering out into nothingness it's just we feel nothing as fans watching Spurs at the moment I'm sure the players are feeling very little emotionally it must be just really difficult to work within right now um and and we're going to come away finish it we might even finish outside the Europa League places (laughs) you know this is a waste of everyone's time I'm I'm not in a desperate rush to to make sure that we sack him immediately. I don't think, you know, whoever comes in, again, if we're talking about a long-term coach, I don't think that they're going to have them, they're likely to have an impact that will keep us top four, right? And frankly, I would rather be um, not in Europe at all than in Europa League. That's right? true. I'd rather that's have true. fewer games and more time to to train than be in Europa League next season. So that's whatever. Um, what I, in terms of like being proactive, like you said, it's like, 
there's a report today that it's like it's still up in the air whether Conte is going to be coaching next season. And that's just, you know, what's reported. That's from uh, Romano. Um, mm. But if that's true, that's so stupid. It's it, like just sort of winging it, seeing what happens. Like it's mm. clearly fallen through. <clears throat> so I don't think that mm. we need to sack Conte before his contract runs out desperately. Um, but we do need to be internally prepared for what we're going to do next, which coaches we're talking to next, what kind of summer that, that will require. Um, because if, we, if we're just going to kind of see what happens and then and then begin planning in the summer, we're making the same mistakes we've been making for, you know, ever. Yeah, that's fair. <sighs> um, before we get stuck into the Wolves game, which we will do, we'll, we'll do our usual tactical... Oh, God, I can't even face it, but we will do that. Um, I'm going to hand over to Bardi to discuss our partnership with Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because my health is important to me. But as well as my health, consistency is something I'm obsessed with. Windy, can you name me something which is consistent? Well, there's your support of anything Italian. Well, that's true, my best friend. But I noticed you fired shots at me rather than (laughs) talking about Spurs. And that's because they're not consistent. They're not a scoop of AG1 and a shake. They fluctuate, they drop off. They let you down, my friend. But I'll tell you something. AG1 has never let me down like Spurs have. I'm Spurs out and AG1 in my body. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover, which cost him $100 a day. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself and supports better sleep quality and recovery. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's do Wolves. Ugh. Um, lineup. Dyer stepped out of the team, which was interesting given that he won't be playing against Milan either. And Son came back in for Richarlison. Um, oh, and Pedro Porro started. I mean, that was that was a that was a surprise too, right? Um, although perhaps not so much given we were playing two games in a week. Buddy, why do you think Dyer was on the bench for this one? I think perhaps because he won't be playing against Milan, um, Conte Stellini, whoever makes the decisions at Spurs, wanted to see what a back three would look like without him in there because he's been the the one consistent person out of all of them. So I guess they're mm. having a look. I was, I mean, you couldn't have played um, Longley or Davies on the right because part of me really wants to see um, Romero in that central role. But um, mm. yeah, I guess I guess that was it to see how they, the three of them got on. And I think um, the game probably changed when Diego Costa got injured because I, mm. because I think Jimenez came on and just offered something totally different. He worked worked his socks off. He ran backwards, made, put in tackles, mm. linked things up, joined things up nicely and was far more mobile than Diego Costa would ever have been. Yeah, yeah. Yes, reasonable point. Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, probably trying out, like giving, giving the back three a bit of practice together ahead of Milan makes makes some sense. Um, Sonny for Richarlison yeah <laughs> maybe uh curious to see who starts against Milan feeling is it will be Sun and that that's not the best choice but whatever um so Poro so so um Emerson Royale was 
had a minor injury um, for the cup game. And so mm-hmm. that all made sense. And then I don't know if he was maybe not 100% or whether it was a tactical decision that Poro was more suited to the Wolves game, Royale's more suited to the Milan game kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, largely looked to that level and went, yeah, sure, you know, that's pretty good. And in fact, I thought that this was like actually probably the most technical, um, technically gifted uh, 11 that we've put out this season, in fact, for a long time. Um, and I think that that... Although missing Bentancourt. Whilst, whilst still, you know, Skip being a, a minor downgrade from Bentancourt, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Longley Dyer thing is interesting because obviously the implication of that is that Davis can't play left wing back where he's played really well, mm-hmm. or at least pretty well. Um, meaning Perisic did start and, you know, he is in a terrible run of form right now. He is playing so badly. Like, at the start of the year, I think... People were impressed, myself included, with his ability to get across in from any position at all. And his set pieces were good. He's not even delivering particularly good set pieces right now. He's just struggling to do anything well. He looks, like you said, Nathan, a decade older. Um, so, yeah, taking Dyer out of the team had that knock-on effect of Perisic being the one to play. So it will be fascinating to see whether uh, they find a solution for that and Davis plays left wing back versus Milan or whether Perisic is trusted again. Who knows? Uh, I I do want to kind of talk about the first half because Nathan, you 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 defended again earlier that you thought it's, you thought it's a good half from Spurs. I I did not think it was a good half from Spurs. I thought, given how passive Wolves were and how um, relatively easy we found it to build up, I th- I thought we struggled to create good quality chances. We had decent shot volume, which is you know an improvement. You know we're taking some shots. Um, we had a shot after a minute, I think. Pedro Porro was... Kulisevsky and Pedro Porro had shots after about a minute. Uh, so that, that was an improvement. But the quality of chance was not good. I, I felt like we were struggling to get the ball into the box in dangerous areas. And part of that was because Lamina was doing a good job on, on Kane. Yep. Um, really useful screening job, which obviously Kane's our main playmaker. Uh, so so having him removed from proceedings is, is tricky. Uh, and I felt like... We didn't capitalise on Wolves being really passive and them being in quite a bad run of form. Um, and I was kind of thinking at halftime, like, this is fine, but we need we need more because eventually, you know, they, they'll do something differently and, and they'll win. Um, I didn't expect, though, Lopetegui to completely change his system at halftime. Um, and when I say completely change the system, not just the shape, but the style of pressing as well was completely changed. So, Nathan, do you want to talk us through that a little? We had a question from Jenks. Can Nathan explain the tactical adjustment that Lopetegui made at halftime that stopped us from playing? It seemed surprisingly easy for us to play through them in the first half. What could Stilini have done to counteract their changes? Yeah, so um, Wolves were 43-1 in the first half and didn't mm-hmm. press that high. Um, gave us time to build up and I thought we built up quite nicely. Um, but as you pointed out, failed to turn that into good chances. Lamina was man-marking Kane, as you said, um, and that probably was significant. But I think um, I think you go into a game and you've got Perisic and Poro as the wing-backs. You've got Kulusevsky, Kane and San as the front three. You're expecting a goal. If you can serve them well, which I think we did, mm. you're expecting a goal um, You know, in, in 45 minutes. And to be fair, on that point, the half... Um, uh, oh, Costa's yeah. injury, and then was it Davies who was down for us? I can't remember. Um, and then Kilman as well. And then Kilman was in the second half, so a lot oh, of right. a lot of the first half was lost, and obviously time was added on. But then the momentum has been disrupted. So 
maybe if you get a true 45 you get something there but we definitely snatched our chances son especially snatched at his chances poro snatched at his chances um mm. which is what you get from him by the way um but yeah little maybe a little concerning that we failed to turn um our first half of actual control and service for for a long time <laughs> into no great chances <laughs> Um, second half, Wolves changed to three four three, um, and then that enables them to um, press man to man high up the pitch. Um, Cellini actually referenced this. What's the quote? Let me find the quote real quick. I can't because Twitter is down right now. Cellini, <laughs> Cellini said something about how like uh, you know they came out with there was with, there was one change, but it took us five minutes to work it out. So what we did was um, <laughs> we largely just sort of abandoned the idea of slow build up from the back and self possession and said just race the ball every time we turned it over we looked for a counter attack and sometimes it was forced it wasn't hugely fruitful but it kept us more on the up than wolves were and then when we were forced to slow things down um skip and hoibjerg used sort of creative movement where they would either go well wide and be in a fullback type zone so you have like a back four or they would double up on one side or they would go hang out with the attacking midfielders and stuff like that <laughs> to to sort of open up more interesting angles um that way so that was kind of working okay for a bit um at that point wolves had made three subs we get to the uh 66th minute and uh they use their fourth and fifth sub so they've now got five fresh legs on the pitch obviously Jimenez has been playing since since the 30 something minutes um and we have yet to make a single sub at this point a, i think it's important to say so you've got this game that is sort of quite transitional lots of back and forth lots of fast breaks and wolves are much fresher so they begin to come on top because they they simply have the fitness advantage right talked a lot about fitness advantage but definitely super clear in this situation in which we we pushed hard in the first half and then we're playing uh you know schoolyards <laughs> constant counter-attack football and wolves are fitter we don't make a sub until the 77th minute. That sub is Lucas Mora, uh, and it is like for like in the he comes from Kulisevsky. And mm-hmm. if anything, Wolves get better. Um, the next sub we make after that is Emerson Royale, who comes from Poro, which on paper at least is a defensive substitution when we obviously need to be pushing for a goal. And additionally, the reason Emerson Royale has been playing best recently is because of the relationship he's developed with Kulisevsky, where he tucks in narrow, but now he's playing with Lucas Mora, who who <laughs> doesn't have that relationship with him and doesn't play wide on the touchline, even though that would probably be to his advantage. Um, and so you get to the goal, Wolves sort of work it through midfield, Hoiberg and Skip are very easily turned. Um, you get him and his shot. Forster, who, who's been okay, spills it back out into the middle. Um, again, Skip and Hoiberg are dead on their legs. Adama Traore gets there first, probably tries to control it. Instead, he accidentally chips it beautifully, <laughs> perfectly over Forster. Um, and, 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 we, and we go one down. Um, so the next sub after that is Richarlison. We change to a 4-4-2, um, but it's, the game's over by that point. Wolves get the ball in the corner and basically keep it there for the rest of the game. So... You can say that we were a little unlucky in the first half. You can criticise our wastefulness instead. 
Um, but definitely really poor game management, in my opinion. Um, to bring on Lucas Moore of Kulusevski, the argument for would be that you have a transitional game with lots of 1v1s, lots of athleticism being relevant, and therefore Lucas Moura is the most suited for that type of situation. He's also the least good player between you know him, Richarlison, Dan Juma, Brian Hill, who he loaned out. Um and he's set to leave on a free. It's, yeah. it's so frustrating. It didn't make any sense. It's like we brought on a B-Tech Adama Traore, we did. basically. And that's the, that's the frustrating thing about it. And I do, we were talking about what Conte can bring if he, if he comes back to the dugout. I do think perhaps if he's there in person, he all, he sees this a bit better. But then I don't know who's making the decision to bring on Lucas. So then that's a damning, that's a damning indictment. If it's him who's managing from, from distance, then that's a problem. I, I think him being there in person, he might be able to adjust things quicker. But, but he, I don't know who made the is. decision to put Lucas on. The entire season he's been here, he's, he's not done that. There was um, some statistical analysis on Reddit from a user, uh, Jocular Mango, who analysed our sub-use versus the rest of the league. So we're actually pretty good in terms of the number of subs, pretty active, I mean, in terms of the number of subs that we get on, but we get them on very late in the game. So in terms of the minutes that subs are playing, we are... Mm. Um, where did he put us? Um, we're significantly below uh, league average in terms of the number of minutes that subs, subs are playing, mm-hmm. and that's before we even get into general rotation from match to match. Yeah, we were under Conte. We were supposed to have five subs and change after sixty minutes. That's just yeah. That's what he did at Inter. Yeah, yeah. And now he doesn't trust his squad, even though he's. Been... You, you, you think it is just that? You think it's just a lack of trust? Well, why? What else explains the fact that he? made those substitutions on the clock regularly super active one of the highest subbing coaches um in Serie A to then hardly do it here I guess it's because we're in the lead less right was the other factor yeah 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 it's I think it's more likely that because so for example I think a really good um opportunity for him at the start of the season was to change the wing backs regularly and he did trust Sessegnon and Matt Doherty because he started them both regularly um in fact he they they were often the favorites so that that I don't think the argument stacks up when it comes to the wing backs. I think it does stack up when it comes to the central midfielders. Like he clearly, it took a while for him to trust Basuma. Um, I don't think he did trust Skip until he had to play him, and likewise with Saar. No, I think he trusted Skip. He started Skip all the time over the Celso and Dombele when he was first here. Oh, in the first season he did, didn't he? Because people were complaining about our workman like yeah. midfield, and then Skip got injured, and maybe he, yeah, maybe he didn't think that Skip was fully fit yet. I'm people. But I think the interesting thing is, like, he, it's not like I'm, he's forgotten that we can make substitutes. He's just forgotten that part of the game. It's interesting. I, yeah, maybe he, I think he doesn't trust the squad. And I think this lack of trust is now starting to turn against him. And mm. um, these 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 players are, are rebelling, maybe, or just losing interest. Yeah, losing interest. That, that I kind of feel that way myself, right? Mm. So, But this is, like, yeah. the third time that these players have lost interest, though. So. <laughs> Um, anything more we want to say on Wolves? Not really. I mean, I thought I was really impressed with Lopetegui's game management, sure, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I don't know a great deal about him. I'm not going to pretend that I do. Like, my time is so restricted these days that I am largely restricted to the Premier League and Championship in the football I watch. I really, really was impressed by how he managed that game, the tactical change at half time, the subs that he used. 
um, like Bardi said, Jimenez coming on did definitely have an impact as well, and that was kind of forced upon him. But um, yeah, really, really impressed. So obviously, he's doing a very different job now at Wolves than he's been doing for most of his career um, because of the 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 reality of Wolves and where they're at in the table and how much yeah. depth the ball they have. But traditionally through his career, he's been a, a high possession coach, very structured possession, really nice build up play, and then it gets to the final third, and they become a very cross reliant side. It's kind of a bit odd but uh yeah i think i definitely think he's good mm. um jose sar continues to impress me i sure. like him had a good game I, he's I really good yeah, yeah he's decent uh pedro, pedro porro set piece off the crossbar yes yeah but then why didn't he take the second one when tell me that <laughs> weird wasn't so it? yeah porro's just hit the crossbar we get a free kick a few minutes later the second free kick is um is much more central and therefore lends mm. itself less to a to the curved technique that Poirot used on the previous free kick, and instead opens mm-hmm. up the possibility to take a um, <laughs> to take sort of a powerful low shot using a fake wall. Um, and I said that Harry Kane would score free kicks this season <laughs> using that. Technique. I didn't want to bring that up. I had I was I thought about it, but I wasn't going to bring it. No, up. it's only fair because I've I've done that to you <laughs> on this pod. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not materialised, has it, lads? <laughs> he, he it was never going to happen, Nathan. It was never going to happen. Wall moves out the way and he hits the other one again and again. Yeah. <laughs> he he is a bad free kick taker and needs to never take free kicks. Yeah. He must bury all of them in training. Because, I bet he does. But I'm not to like ha- like have a mutiny on his hands. He must bury all of them. I bet he does. I I I I feel pretty confident that he must do. Yeah, I I was encouraged with Pedro Porro's free kick. It's it would be nice to have someone who could take a good direct free kick on a regular basis. How about his general performance in this game? Um, this game and um his previous game, I am encouraged. Okay, I would say. Um, I definitely feel like he is starting to get the rhythm of the Premier League, and that's happened quite quickly. It, obviously, there are some defensive weaknesses there. Oh yeah, you know, we knew we knew that was the case. That he's not been bought as a <laughs> as a defender. He's not Emerson Royal, um, but he's way more dynamic in the final third than Emerson Royal. He's way more dynamic and build up than Emerson Royal, in my opinion. And I think he'll long term be a really really good signing for the club. I like him a lot. I agree. I think there's some really nice touches from him. I think he shows really nice movement in the final third. I think he's got a yeah. decent cross on him. I like him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one positive is that hopefully, like, we'll get to see a fair bit of him over the rest of the season and he can acclimatise really for next season and, and start hopefully start strongly because, uh, yeah, he is a potentially really, really good player. Do we want to talk about Sheffield United? I guess we ought to. It was really bad. Miserable. Absolutely miserable. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, so the starting 11 uh, didn't fill me with joy. Uh, Lucas starting, uh, Richarlison starting through the middle, which actually, you know, I was probably quite pleased about that. Yep, um, Kane, Kane got a break. Um, Davinson Sanchez playing. Uh, <laughs> I never enjoy watching Davinson Sanchez play anymore. I'm sorry, I just don't. Um, what's to say about this game? We just, we, we it was so stodgy. So, so stodgy. We really struggled to create anything. Against the second string Sheffield United team, by the way, this wasn't Sheffield United's first team. They've heavily rotated themselves. Right. Um, there should have been more than enough in our team to beat them, but we just... I mean, we looked how we've often looked this season, just don't have ideas, don't know ways to break teams down. Yeah, yeah. I think um, 
if if we were expecting to sit really deep and then our game was just for um Poro and Perisic to cross the ball in all game um <laughs> with Richarlison and and Lucas and Son as targets then like maybe we get there eventually but sh- they came out and got in our faces um which yep. one meant that you got Davinson Sanchez under pressure um yep. if you want to talk about failure to back Conte then the fact that we're still seeing Davinson Sanchez play for us, I think, is is the best example. But then apparently yeah. also he really likes Davinson Sanchez and is keen on having him in the squad. So I don't know, man, what the fuck. Um, I mean, he, he's not going to just go on a podcast and say Davinson Sanchez is a donkey and just bid him out. If he's in the squad, he's going to say, oh, he's got to say nice things about him. He's not going to go full Jose Mourinho and just say bad this things. This is the internal reporting that he he's he likes yeah. Davinson Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who, who's your source? Who's your source? <laughs> I know. I know. Ali Gold. Yeah. <laughs> Another club mouthpiece, according to someone. Twitter. Fine. All right. Amazing. Fine. Maybe he doesn't like Davinson Sanchez. We, we failed there. We failed to bring in a, a superior backup. Yeah, yeah, and and like Tanganga was fine in his last appearance, right? And was uh, on the bench. In this what one. against Leicester? I don't think. Oh, so. one before that. One before that. Which was that? Twenty nineteen. Um, <laughs> when we got lost, when we lost to Colchester. I think. No. I think there's 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 something with this club, and it happens consistently in the cups that they just turn up for these matches and the the arse falls out of them. I have no idea <laughs> what it is. I have no idea what it is because it's it's repeated across managers across timelines across generations that we get to these cup games where there's a a real opportunity to win something and they just fall apart and it was almost like you were watching the game and I tweeted it at the time because the only thing I've seen more than Tottenham is like my own naked body so I, I know what Tottenham look like inside out I've seen this club and I swear to you on 60 minutes I looked at them and I went they've lost it yeah they've they're it's gone. They're they're now yeah. they're now concerned. Then concerned. They're now scared. And they're now worried. They're going to lose this game. And that yeah. fear just crept across them. And it was compounded when they brought Harry Kane on because then they brought Harry Kane on. And they got oh, holy fuck. We really might lose this. And putting mm. Harry Kane on was the correct decision. They should have started. But he came on and they went. Now we're really in trouble. They're bringing Kane on. And it was just waiting for Sheffield United to score. And to credit to Sheffield United, it was a better goal than than I expected. It was a good goal. I thought it'd be, yeah, I thought it'd be like a bundled Middlesbrough goal. But I swear to you, you can see it in Tottenham in cup games. And I hope we don't see it against Milan. Maybe we won't because it's the Champions League and it's a bit different. But with Tottenham, you can just watch them. And there's that moment where they go, yeah, yeah. I'm shitting. We're shitting ourselves. I think. Now. I think we all felt that. I think we all felt that. To be honest, just just tactically quickly. I think. Um, so Sheffield came out and they pressed much more aggressively than perhaps we were expecting. Maybe we should have done better homework there if that's the case. Um, and then what that meant was that we managed to get the ball to our front three, but our front three comprised of Son, Richardson, and Lucas, who all have a tendency to dribble with their head down and not know where each yeah. other are. Um, and so they they. I don't think they found each other all game. <laughs> yeah, basically. And, and, and to be to be fair, Lucas was probably the most impressive of the three. But honestly, it's much of a muchness. Like Lucas, Lucas did every Lucas thing going, yeah. which is he he beats a man and looks really impressive in doing so, and then does nothing. He loses the ball, or he dribbles into an area where he can't do any damage, or like he's he's just shuttled out of harm's way. It was the most Lucas performance ever. And oh, people are like full on greatest hits. Yeah, pe- people are like, why are you picking on Lucas? Like, you know, he tr- he tried hard in that game. You know, he's one of the better ones. I'm like, ha- he he did exactly what Lucas always does, which is nearly always shit. And there's nothing to celebrate about that. Like, fine, he tried hard. I'm sick of seeing Lucas Moura try hard for Tottenham. I'm, like, I'm so happy that he's leaving at the end of the season. Also, he's a transphobic piece of shit. <laughs> 
I don't want I him playing for my club. Fuck, he needs to fuck off. And Sanchez needs to fuck off. And Longley needs to fuck off. And there's a few of them. Perisic, I know, I was all for Perisic because I, I quite liked the, the style of it. But he's been, a, he's been a disaster. So there's a few of them that just need to he, fuck off. Body can do you know what? Minutes if we need someone to just I look, could do yeah. that. <laughs> do, you, do you know what? Perisic has been a disaster, hasn't he? He's been a, and he's got another year on his contract. I'm really surprised by how much of a disaster he's been. Um, because I thought like I thought he might not play as much as he has, yeah. but I thought he'd really contribute well. I thought yeah. he'd be a really useful squad player who would, you know, in in big games he'd come up with big moments. Mm. Yeah, he, he's got a lot of assists, but let's let's say that's all down to mainly corners, set pieces, yeah. right? He, because he's, he's not been a squad player. He's been he's had to be a starter, be a starter. because Cessignon. I was hoping for nice things from Cessna and I thought the season started quite nicely for him, but that fell apart. And now we're forced into a point where it's it's Perisic starts or Ben Davies, and that that's a that's a problem. But, but Ben Davies, who hasn't played left wing back for a long time, is making Perisic look even worse. Yes. Yeah, he's so bad. I'm really I'm really disappointed and sad at how bad he's been. I was, I was just really hoping that there'll be something there. But we we knew exactly the upside and the downside when we when we bought Perisic. We knew. His his ability, his skill, his strengths, um, especially with his crossing. We also know that always we know the risk of buying a thirty three year old, mm-hmm. and and yeah, you, know, it's fair. you just have to accept that when you do that, that's 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 the risk that you have. And especially if you buy a thirty three year old, maybe you're thinking, hey, he'll be a squad player. He's going to come on for Sessegnon at sixty minutes when we're when we're pushing for a game. He's a really good crosser. We're seeing the game out. He's a he's a veteran. Um, he can mm. rotate in for cup games, but if you're asking him to come in and play a hundred games in a season and run up and down and and be on the back foot all the time, then you're going to exhaust him because he's an old man in football. In yeah. terms, <laughs> yeah. But um, before we finish it, do you know what we're going to fucking smash Milan? We're going to absolutely take Milan apart because that's that's life, man. Mm, I am less convinced. I really hope that is the case. Um, you're going right, buddy. Yeah, we're gonna smash. Yeah, them. I, I hope, yeah, they, they I, I hope you have weekend. a wonderful time. <laughs> They're having a misery. Two bad teams, man. <laughs> Two really yeah. bad teams. Two bad teams. Exactly. Shitans. <laughs> I I want to end on a quick bit of next manager chat. We had a question from Papa Blankson who said, "Question for the pod." It looked at looked at Ange Ball in the Celtic versus Madrid okay. game, and my only problem is he plays a high line with marauding fullbacks, and I feel like we don't have the centre backs. All the DMs to cover the ground for that, and our pressing is terrible. But otherwise, he looks good as a top three candidate. Nathan, you you like Ange Postecoglou? Yeah, yeah. That, he, so he's a top three candidate for me, and I I also agree with the question mark. So, um, in the Scottish Premier League, he has um, a, a talent dominance. Yeah, yeah. And so um, his defensive organization doesn't really get tested. Celtic are able to counter press pretty comfortably and um and then return to playing his good possession football right very confident mm. in in the possessional structure i think there's some really nice stuff going on there uh, the question mark would be like how well does that scale when you bring it into a top five league not again not so much the possession stuff fairly optimistic there it's how's his how's his defensive game what happens when his team are on the back foot and that's what we saw against real madrid i thought they impressed for a while and then fell apart so i want to go and have a look at that more in depth also in the top three are Mauricio Pochettino, who you don't need an introduction to, but um, he, for me, would have to um, pledge his willingness to accept a director of football um, 
top-down model because I think that's where things largely went wrong for us before. Um, And then to finish off the top three is Roberto De Zerbi, who has only joined Brighton this season. It'll be hard to get, but I, I really, really like him. Buddy is shaking his head. No more Italians, please. <laughs> I would rather I'm I I, I uh, putting a hard line under ex Chelsea managers, um, and then we'll we'll work towards no more Italians after that. So that rules out, um, you know, Potter, who's actually still in the job, uh, Tuchel, and a whole bunch Sorry. of other dickheads as well. Um, so also Hansi Flicks with Germany uh, currently. Fonseca uh, is uh, in France. Uh, in, and hates Paratici and Paratici hates him um, Beal whose Rangers I haven't actually watched and people are much more dubious about but um, I think there are really good signs with regards to him and what he did as assistant um, especially under Gerard. Um Slot in the Eredivisie um, obviously anytime you're hiring a coach from the Eredivisie there's there's risk but I'm I'm quite impressed with, with the football that his teams are playing and the talent that he brings through um, both where he is now and also before RZ Michael Carrick is fairly early to coaching mm. still but is doing really good stuff with, with Middlesbrough and obviously he is former Spurs which is why I've got him ahead of a company who um doing great stuff with Burnley probably likely to end up at City after Pep um, incredible recruitment at Burnley as well such a good player recruitment uh, Pirlo who I think actually did a good job with Juventus but got sacked. He's now mid-table in Turkey, but he's doing all right there after a, after a rocky start, apparently. Again, also, Javi Alonso doing good stuff, but it's it's early days. Um, Steve Cooper. So Cooper, we've been linked to, who, um, I don't know, he, he did good work in the championship, but like not impressed by the football at all, um, anywhere he's been. Um, so I want to talk about... Uh, he quickly. did well for England and had them playing well. Great. <laughs> um, I mean, you're going to sack Antonio Conte and, and hire Steve Cooper. I mean, yeah, yeah, that would be yeah. regressive. So, um, Marcelo Gallardo, Gallardo, people are really excited by. Um, I think the, the opposite of Postecoglou, right? Impressive defensive work, counter-pressing game seems really, really good. But in terms of what his teams do in possession, they largely just sort of have the better players, and uh, I've got concerns about that translating. So, I'd like to see him at a different European club, and then um, keep an eye on him there. And then similar situation for Oliver Glasner, um, Iriola, Will Steele, um, probably some others as well who like good up and coming coaches but aren't possession focused and therefore I've, they're a big risk that I, I don't want to um, gamble on. Who's the chap at um, Porto? Conte Sal? Any good? Porto, Porto. So Amarim actually, sorry, at um, Sporting is another example of a good up-and-coming coach who is more of an out-of-possession than an in-possession guy. But Porto, I can't tell you too much about. So Tottenham Hotspur have once again got us searching for optimism by discussing our next manager. It's just absolutely typical, isn't it? Uh, anyway, boys, it's been a pleasure. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Thank you.